Welcome to the Physics Buzz podcast. I'm Cali Cofield. This is part two of our exploration of solar weather. Solar weather hasn't gotten worse over the past decade, but our vulnerability to it has. So what are we doing to protect ourselves from solar weather? In the U.S., solar weather monitoring officially began during World War II when the government formed the Central Radio Propagation Laboratory. The lab's job was to monitor solar activity that could potentially interrupt radio communications among the Allied forces. At the end of the war, the lab remained and became the Space Weather Prediction Center, still located in Boulder, Colorado, and which is now part of the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA. Today, NOAA does a lot of monitoring of weather on Earth, but they are also responsible for monitoring space weather and letting people know when space weather events can impact us. NOAA has three main categories of solar events that could impact us here on Earth, or three different types of solar storms, you might say. But let's back up a little bit further and look at exactly what happens during a solar storm and what part of the solar storm we have to worry about. For that explanation, we'll hand it over to Tom Bogdan, current director of the Space Weather Center, who recently addressed a group of reporters at the AAAS meeting in Washington, D.C. It starts with a very large solar flare. Uh, that flare affects the sunlit side of the Earth, and what it does is it is a large burst of electromagnetic radiation, typically short wavelengths, so what's important, ultraviolet and X-ray, and it ionizes the outer part of the Earth's atmosphere, the so-called ionosphere. Down here on the ground, we're safe. Um, nothing is reaching us here. But that ionosphere sits between us and the GPS satellites. And so in the worst-case scenario, we would see on the daylit side loss of GPS capability, not only for navigation, but as has been mentioned here because of the critical timing capability. About 20, 10 to 20 minutes after that flare, generally would come a burst of energetic particles, typically protons. Uh, they travel less than the speed of light, that's why they take a little longer. And now at risk would be satellites especially in geostationary orbit that we depend on so much for communications and various transactions. Probably another 10 to 20 hours later, maybe 30 hours, that coronal mass ejection would follow behind that. It would bump into the front of the Earth's magnetosphere. In so doing, it would cause magnetic needles and compasses to move a lot. And while that's not really the key problem, the key problem are the induced currents that would show up in long conductors and oil pipelines, the high tension lines that are moving energy around, not only in North America, but also in Europe. How do you protect yourself from such powerful subatomic foes? Satellites can use shielding, and U.S. government and NASA satellites are usually fully shielded. But for other satellite owners, it's a matter of weighing cost versus risk. It's very expensive to add additional weight to a cargo headed for space. So some communication or GPS satellites are out there in the solar storm without any protection. As for power grids, major bursts of induced current can be directed away from the grid using capacitors. This works for smaller storms, but for a larger one it's possible that the only precaution to be taken would be to shut down the grids and isolate them for a few hours as the storm passes. That would mean, of course, cutting off power to a portion of the population, but the alternative could mean days or weeks without power. Now, it's important to remember that thousands of small solar storms happen each decade, and a few hundred of those head toward Earth. 
It's also possible that during an 11-year solar cycle, we could get hit with a very large solar storm. But we could also see many decades without such a catastrophic event. Among these precautions, the most valuable one we have, said Bogdan, is early warning. NASA has three satellite observatories dedicated to watching only the sun. The Solar Dynamics Observatory, or SDO, has some really incredible images on its website. This past February, NASA's twin solar satellites known as STEREO reached their destination locations on opposite sides of the sun. From there, they give us a 360-degree view of our glowing giant. This is the first time in history we've been able to observe the entire sun simultaneously. Observatories like this allow us to get a significant jump on anticipating solar storms. The storm we can watch, and in particular the largest storms, the fastest ones, take about 20 hours to come from sun to earth. We watch them form in the sun's atmosphere thanks to instruments that we have out in space, coronagraphs that are typically on NASA research assets. That gives us 20 hours to stand up a plan, react to what's happening, and determine what actions we need to take. Also, miraculously, between Sun and Earth, we have a satellite called the ACE, Advanced Composition Explorer. So our last warning is a 20-minute warning of a sentinel in the solar wind that tells us how big, how strong, how long, how nasty that storm might be. And that's probably the most important asset that we use at NOAA Space Weather Prediction Center for our customers. So are we ready for a major solar storm? The NOAA representatives at the press conference suggested that a lot of precautions are in place, that we are learning a lot about solar storms, and that more people are aware of the threat. But in some ways we may not really know how prepared we are until a major solar storm hits. I know that's a slightly unsatisfying and kind of scary answer, but like any natural disaster, we can only hope that by learning more, we can prepare ourselves better. That's the end of our exploration of solar weather and its impact here on Earth. This is the Physics Buzz Podcast. I'm Calla Cofield. As always, you can find out more at our website, physicscentral.com, and tune in next week for more Physics Buzz.